Welcome to our Rockcast. Today we join ordained ministers Shane and Eleni Kelly to discuss what God's plan is for our lives. Something I like to do is read devotions on my Bible app. Uh, most of the time we just use it for looking up scripture, but there's actually a lot of cool stuff you can do on here. Sign up for devotions, um, and you can even do devotions with friends. There's also a cool feature I like. It's called um, Bible Lens, and it kind of works in conjunction with it. So you, you take a picture of something, and um, it'll give you like a corresponding verse to go with it. So you can take a picture of anything. I took a picture of my cat one time, and it, <laughs> and it gave me the verse like, there's no rest for the wicked or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> So definitely get good use out of your Bible app. Don't just use it to look up scripture. It kind of keeps you with the devo- devotions that reminds you every day so that you are in the word constantly. And th- I need something like that to remind me every day because I forget. So the, the most recent devotion that I started, it's called, What is God's Plan for Me? Seven Invitations to the Life You've Been Missing. So I think that's the age-old question a lot of people ask of others and of themselves. What is God's plan for my life? And I think it's a lot more simple than we think. Uh, sometimes we tend to overthink God's purpose for us. And so this devotion, uh, it has seven things um, in it, but we're just going to share a few with you that were on our heart. So. so how many of you went Black Friday shopping? Was it two days ago? A few of you were, okay. Did you have a plan when you went? Okay, so the one that had the plan, how did it go? Well, great. Okay, the one that didn't have a plan, how'd it go? Okay, all right. All right, we, we normally don't go. We decided to go. Levi abandoned us. He wanted to go spend the night with Grandma Connie, so we ended up going, and we didn't really have much of a plan, and so it didn't really go all that great. It was we're kind of disappointed. And the same kind of goes with our life. We think of, what is God's plan for me? At some point, everybody has asked that question. Everybody struggles. And depending on how you answer that question shows what your worldview is. And so before we can even really get into the topic, we need to make sure that we have, we're looking through the right lens. Okay? Because if, if we're not, then everything we say after this is going to be colored in a different light. It's going to look different. It's like borrowing someone else's glasses, right? Things just don't look the same. They don't look right. So the first thing that we have to start with is we have to know that we are treasured by God. We're going to start with Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I believe the gentlemen have it in the back. So if you could stand with me, we're going to read this together. We'll see how close our translations are. It's close. All right. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, if you're like me and you like to scribble in your Bible, then I would underline the part that says a people for his own possession. And I want to put this in the right perspective so you can be seated. By possession, I don't mean like a slave owner has possession of a slave. We'd be looking through the wrong lens. I want you to think of it in more, in more of terms of like a relationship, right? Like, Eleni is my wife. There's a relationship. It's kind of, it's, uh, possession is implied, right? It's mine. 
my mother, my father, my son, right? Are you with me? Think through that lens that God says that you are, we are a people of his possession. We are his, right? So God, when, when we start with Adam, God made us to have union with him, to have a relationship with him. And then he didn't stop there. He wanted us to also have relationship with others. And then we have Eve that came into the picture. So all along, that was God's intent. That was the very beginning of his plan is that we have a relationship with him and with each other. But if we let Satan deceive us into thinking that we're not treasured and that we shouldn't have these kind of relationships or we don't add value to a relationship, I'm sure people feel like that maybe during this time, that what value do I really add to this relationship? But that's why God made us. And you have to start from that foundation that you are treasured by God that you are His possession. And from there, we can move on to more of what is God's plan for us. You know, even in Romans 8, 31, you don't have to turn there, but it says that we can't even be separated by, by God's, from God's love. And so to illustrate this, and young adults that already know what I'm going to do, don't ruin the fun, okay? But to illustrate this, I'd like to give somebody a $100 bill. Would anybody like a $100 bill? Now, some of you just went Black Friday shopping, and I know you might need another hundred dollar bill. So I asked Vern to loan me some money. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. So I've got a hundred dollar bill. Who would like this hundred dollar bill? Go ahead and raise your hand. This isn't vain. It's all right. It's all right. Who would like this hundred dollar bill? Okay, now it's creased. It's nicely nice. I've got another hundred dollar bill. Let's see if you still would like it. It's not quite as pretty. All right, I have another hundred dollar bill. Who would like this $100 bill? It's not quite as nice. It's kind of messy. It's, it's torn on the edge. Right? But you still would like it, right? Okay. I've got one more $100 bill. Who would like this $100 bill? Well, you see, it's kind of been trampled on. It's, it's really dirty. Would you still like this $100 bill? Okay. Why did you want all three of these $100 bills still had value, right? Right? It spends the same, right? So it didn't matter that one was, was kind of crinkled and had a rip in it. One was finely creased and one had been, been completely trampled. It still had value. You know that's how God looks at us? That we still have value, right? Some of us are messier than others. And we, don't need, we don't need to read each other's mail. We don't need to go through each other's laundry. Some of us are messier than others. Some of us are rough around, around the edges. Some of us have, have rips and tears. Some of us, we're all different, right? Some of us are finely creased. But God still sees value and still loves us. So I'll give this back to Vern. I appreciate you helping me out. All right, go ahead. Right, so I think that is probably the... <laughs> Just pass it around so everybody can feel it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that kind of is a foundational thing. We have to see first what our worth is in God, and we have to realize how God sees us rather than we see our own selves. And second, we have to choose to live differently as Christians, right? So... Um, my Christian life now, I've been a Christian a lot less than I've been alive, so, or 
then I've not been a Christian, if that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's only been about 12 or 13 years. Anyways, Shane was really getting on to me about how I was going to word that. <laughs> and that. There you go. So, <laughs> um, so a lot of people see me now in my Christ- Christian life right now, and they're like, oh, you're just so goody-two-shoes, like you don't do anything wrong. Um, I couldn't live like that. But a lot of people don't realize, like, I grew up, like, in the world. We were Catholic, which if you, you know any Catholics, you know that pra- practically means nothing um, sometimes. Um, it's just a title. But I grew up listening to all the secular songs, all the, watching all the, I was exposed to a lot of bad stuff, let's say, growing up. Um, and um it wasn't until I got deeper in scripture that I see that scripture teaches us a different way to live and it's through mentors that I have in my life that have taught me how to live differently. So scripture tells us, Psalm 16 and 2, it says that apart from God we have no good thing. Meaning that without Christ, really there isn't anything in our life that's worth any value. So when we think about what is God's plan for us, part of that plan is that we are to live differently. And this is probably our least favorite thing as Christians because it does set us apart. This is what makes us a peculiar people. But we have to realize that without God, there is no value. We were made, like I said before, for relationship with God and with others. And so there's this phrase, contamination of association. But I, I don't want us to get confused to think that we should have isolation. So contamination of association is that, you know, by being around others, who's the influencee and the influencer, right? Who's rubbing off on who, right? And so we feel that we worry sometimes as Christian. We kind of, we overdo it sometimes, worrying that that's going to, things are going to rub off on us. And so we kind of go too far to an extreme and we completely isolate ourselves. Now, I know that I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because this church reaches out. We go outside of these four walls, right? So we meet here on Sunday, but then throughout the week, we're elsewhere. But we have to remember John 17, 15, he makes it clear. It says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. We shouldn't live a life of isolation that defeats the purpose, right? I mean, that completely contradicts. Jesus' charge when he gave us the Great Commission right before ascending. It wouldn't make sense, but sometimes in our, in our effort to be careful, and we should be careful, but sometimes we go a little too far and we isolate ourselves, and we need to make sure that we are reaching out to people. And as far as living differently, it's choosing to live differently. It's a chosen life. Um, it's not about approval or attention. Otherwise, we'd, we'd all be here only to become rich and successful and happy, right? That's not how God works. Um, think about the number of times Jesus tells us that he rewards what we do in secret, and he rebukes all the um, scribes for wanting all the attention and the fame. Hey, look at me. Look how much I'm giving and offering. Um, so when you think about that, you might wonder about your own fight for recognition. Um, there's a quote by Jen Johnson that says, Don't try to be seen. Don't try to make your gift happen. Don't try to prove yourself. Just stay in your lane and serve. Do what God has called you to do. You will be seen when you need to, if you need to. David was in the fields, off the grid, and God sent the right people to go find him. God sees you. I love that. Because many times we can get trapped in the thought of, does God see me? And um, 
So God's purpose for us goes far beyond a profession and the accomplishment. There's something we learn in CAMS that uh, one of the preachers said. He said, we can't impress God with a talent or gift that he's blessed us with, right? You know? So why are we trying to impress people with um, everything we've been blessed with? Um, and why are we trying to compete, in a sense, with other people and, and show that you're worthy when God's already made you worthy? So... Uh, next thing is we are to become more like Jesus. So uh, first, I think that comes with seeking the Lord, abiding with him. We sing that song, the more I seek you. And I admit, I don't always pay attention to the words that I sing, but it says in the chorus um, or the verse, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. So we have to be diligent about seeking God. That's our job. And the more we... we read his word, the more we find out about him, the more we find out about him, the more we love him, right? That's how that works. So scripture teaches us the primary reason God chose you. We are to be conformed to the image of his son. And it says that in Romans 8:29. Furthermore, God wishes to reveal his son in us through our God-given personalities and interests. And that's in Galatians 1, 15 through 16. And have you ever heard this before? Um, it's in Acts 17:26. Do you all want to turn there? We are where we are for a reason. That goes down to the place that we live, um, the job that we work. Um, God already knows all that. Thank you. So it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of plot, a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And I'll stop there. So um, what if the circumstances of your life constitute the perfect soil for fruit that God intends to use in us and bear in us? When you find yourself in a situation that tests your ability to display these character traits, consider that God placed you in that spot to grow to become more like Jesus. So when you think about God places difficult people in your life, it's not to punish us or to um, yeah, torture us, not to torture or punish us. It's, it's really for us to become more like Jesus and learn to deal, them in a, deal with them in a more godly way, right? Um, so you might find yourself more compassionate like Jesus, more trustworthy like Jesus, and more humble like Jesus. You might find yourself taking the lowest place as a servant, wherever you are, just like Jesus did. And if you take note of what Jesus values in the Gospels, think about it. He, when you see the people that he associated with, it wasn't all the religious people of the time, it was children, it was outcasts of society, and he went and found them, right, in, in a lot of cases. So when we are to become more like Jesus, we think of what he did in the Gospels, and that's just reaching people. Well, being more like Jesus means that we bear fruit, but what does that mean? So let's go to Galatians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 22, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such thing, things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. 
So I'll stop there for a moment. And there's a quote that Eleni found that she really liked. Um, Hannah Whittlesmith wrote this. Christ has chosen us that we should bring forth fruit. A fruitless Christian life is an impossibility. It's interesting. So a Christian life not bearing fruit is an impossibility. Well, then that means that by being a Christian, what we must do is crucify the flesh. But what is that? Well, earlier in chapter 5, we see what those things are. Things like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. There's these things that this is what the flesh is. But then in order to bear the fruit, it says that we have to crucify the flesh. We have to consciously fight against those things. Right? So, what's God's plan for us? Well, the first thing is that we're to live differently. The next thing is that we're to become more like Jesus. But to do that, these are the things that we have to combat. Because these are the things that are more natural for us. Right? How many of you can be ornery at times? I know I can be. Wake me up before my alarm clock goes off. I'm ornery. I, it's anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy. These are things that are very real. And if we're not careful, can, can be very real in our lives. But we're supposed to crucify the flesh and bear good fruit. Yes, that's important. Good fruit, not bad fruit, right? <laughs> um, I, just, I just found a bunch of quotes I really love, so apologize. But this one was really... Good. It's by Leland Mooring. It says, We were never meant to be boats tossed to and fro by the waves of man's opinions and wisdom of the world, but we were always created to be trees, rooted and grounded in the love of God, growing in the fruit of the Spirit on our branches, so that the only thing we are able to spread during the storm are the seeds of the kingdom of God. So good. Say it again for the people in the back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We were never meant to be boats tossed to and fro by the waves of man's opinions and wisdom of the world, but we were always created to be trees, rooted and grounded in the love of God, growing in the fruit of the Spirit on our branches, so that the only thing we are able to spread during the storm are the seeds of the kingdom of God. It is an awesome example. So being that we should be these trees rooted, let's, let's continue in Galatians. So we move right after what I just read. We move to chapter 6. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, this is interesting, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you, you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This ties everything together so far because we, we started with the premise that God made us for a relationship with him and with, and for, with others. We talk about bearing good fruit, and those that do bear good fruit, do we love on those people that are struggling? And this is a question, not only as a Christian, but for the church. Is the church doing this? We've talked about, you know, the aisle being like the walk of shame, and that's how we feel, and it shouldn't be. But maybe it's because of the way we act towards people. Look, we can't condone things that are wrong, Right? But that doesn't change the fact that God loves you and we love you. And we would all want to feel that way, right? Like, if we, like the prodigal son coming back home after screwing up. The, there was this love from the father that he could be restored. 
And that's how we need to treat people. If we bear fruit, and this is kind of a reality check, and we, we are all in this boat, but if, if somebody needs to be restored and we're the ones bearing fruit, we should be gentle. We should be firm that we don't also become tempted. We hold the line. There is right, there is wrong, but we love them enough to help them get on their feet. That is part of bearing fruit. It's not just about these things of, oh, just be kind, just be patient, just be happy. There also comes a challenge when somebody is struggling with something and you're the one bearing the fruit in their life. You're the one that has to help to bear one another's burdens. That's what chapter 6 is about, that you can help them get on their feet. Um, next thing is guard your heart. This wasn't part of the devotional, but I felt like it was really important. Um, something on my heart. Um, we need to be countercultural. What's happening in the world today? People are going crazy, right? So we have to control the things we look at, the things we listen to, the things we touch, um, things that we say to ourselves even is important because the things that we look at, that makes its way into our heart, right? That's a window into our heart. Also the things that we listen to on a daily basis, that, that goes in our heart as well. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that all come out eventually, right? If you're not guarding what you are listening to, looking at. Um, growing up in my home, like I said, I was exposed to a lot of um, a lot of stuff early on. Rated R movies, like my mom. I mean, we all know about my mom. She was a great mom, but she didn't always protect the things that we saw or listened to. Um, she was a lot more lax in her raising us, I think because her upbringing was so strict. Um, my grandma came from a different gener generation in Mexico and my mom wasn't even allowed to like stay out past like nine o'clock. So otherwise my grandma would literally lock the door on her, <laughs> not let her in the house. So she, she was a good mom, but she did kind of just let us listen and, and look at whatever. Um, thankfully, I'd say me and my sisters are all pretty good. We've all turned out pretty normal. Um, but it's important because um, Shane and I don't even so much as watch a PG-13 movie without looking up the parental guide. I know that sounds really cheesy and childish, but it's important for us to know what we're about to watch, we're about, what we're about to expose our son to possibly, right? Um, let alone rated R movies, we don't, we don't do that in our house either. I mean, there might have been a few if they're like war movies um, without swearing or whatever. That's another thing. Swearing has always been a thing that I learned to hate early on. When you grow up in a home, I know a lot of the young adults have already heard my story about growing up with a dad who's bipolar. And just the things that he would say to my mom, like no person should ever hear in their life. And I was exposed to that from a very, very early age. And I learned to hate all those terrible words. So excuse me while I cringe when I hear certain words um, on movies. Um, so. I think that's pretty much all I have to say about that. <laughs> so the reason we say these things is not out of self-righteousness. Please know that. And it's going to be for this reason, and, and this is what we'll end with. It has to do with what you tell yourself. Or more, moreover, what you allow the Holy Spirit to, to work through you and tell yourself. We don't give enough attention to this issue. There's something called auto-suggestion. So I want to read something written by Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill wrote a book after interviewing... About five, a little over 500 
affluent people, which, okay, affluent is just a nice way of saying very rich and successful people, okay? So Napoleon Hill interviewed over 500 people to see, okay, what is the common denominator amongst all these people that are vastly successful? What, what is it? And one of the things that he talks about in his book is auto-suggestion. And he says this, the law of auto-suggestion, through which any person may rise to altitudes of achievement that stagger the imagination, is well described in the following verse. It says, if you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win, but you think you can't, it is almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out of the world we find, success begins with a person's will. It's all in the state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you aren't. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger man, stronger or faster man, but sooner or late, the one who wins is the one who thinks he can. Now, I know this is a secular example of success, but it, it's interesting how God is so awesome that he can connect natural things so that we can get it. So we have natural examples so that we can understand what he wants us to know in the spiritual. But just to make you feel a little better, Romans 12, 2 addresses this very issue. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I was skimming through some books that we have because there is no shortage of books on this topic. But unfortunately, we don't address it enough. But there was a book written by um, a psychologist, Dr. Shad. Helmstetter, and he said this, by not taking responsibility for your own thoughts, we leave our minds open to the whims of others. Now think about that for a second. How many know that Satan is all too happy to give us his suggestions on what we should think, or how we should feel, or what you should say to yourself? Now I know, I had trouble when I first started hearing about this topic, because it just seems like your kumbaya, feel good, positivity message but we need to understand that this, the science behind it, that God intended, God, the way God made us, that what we say to ourselves is vastly more important than what other people say to us, right? Because you can all tell me one thing, but that if I don't believe it, then it doesn't change my behavior, it doesn't change how I act. But if you say something, and then I start to say that something to myself, then I start to believe it. Then I start to change how I act. Then I start to change how I feel. Now look, this is a very real issue. I mean, this is, this is as real for me as yesterday. Yesterday I had, you know, I was going through and Eleni and I were talking about the message and what we're going to share. And I'm like, you know, what, what can I get up here with credibility and share from my heart? And I, even in that moment, struggled with this self-talk. What am I allowing, my, what, what, am, what conversations am I allowing in my mind? This is part of guarding our heart. If we want to know what God's plan for us is, and we want to walk in it, then we've got to get this one right. Because the problem with this is I can't tell what you're thinking and what you're telling yourself. This is a battle that you can, can win or lose in, in complete isolation. I can't tell. Right now, there's some, some characteristics I can kind of maybe take a guess on, like, well, this person seems like they're depressed, they're down, or this or that. But this is why we focus on the scriptures. This is why we come together. We focus on what God's plan is for us. Is that we can get this one right. 
this is where people can fall because when you're not here when you're by yourself what you say to yourself and how you talk to God is going to alter whether or not you make it as a Christian whether or not you can walk out God's plan Galatians talked about the flesh that we're supposed to crucify but if we get this part wrong we don't tell ourselves the right things we don't focus on God's word then we don't crucify the flesh and you know by not crucifying the flesh we get off track of what God's plan was for us God's plan was for a relationship but if we we don't crucify the flesh we can't have that and for that reason that's why Galatians 6 says to bear one another burdens because you know if you are struggling then we all should be here to help raise you up and get you back on your feet there should be no shame in the altar no matter who you are we know that there's more celebration in heaven for someone returning to Christ that had left right there's something to that but it's so hard for us to get past our feelings we have, to be, we have to have open arms for one another. Because if somebody's struggling, even within the church, someone that you knew was a Christian, are you willing and ready to open your arms and tell them that God does have a plan for you? Now look, you, you have to crucify the flesh in order to walk out this plan, but you, you can't be restored. And one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this devotional in the first place, I was going through a, la a difficult kind of disappointing, discouraging last couple of months. And you can actually search on the Bible app like for whatever you're going through, a certain devotional and it said, it just popped out at me, what's God's plan for me? Because I was starting to feel like my prayers were bouncing off the sky. You ever get that way? You're like, what's the point of even praying? Like, but that's a dangerous place to be if you, if you stay in there too long because then you can start to doubt God's goodness and God's purpose for your life. You can start, stop asking for things for him boldly and just kind of let life happen to you, which is not what God wants for us. Uh, let's pray together. If you will, stand your feet. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for this time that we've had together. The message was simple. The message was short. But God, these are very real issues. I don't know who's struggling, who's questioning what your plan is for their life. I don't know who's struggling with their faith. God, but I pray that, Lord, you would just equip us today that we could embrace one another. We could embrace each other's burdens, bear one another's burdens, God, lift each other up. God, that we could be restored, God, because this is a matter of heaven or hell, God. And I want to make sure that we are doing everything that we can, God, that we, we are all in relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would just continue. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out other episodes at soundcloud.com or on the Apple Podcast app.